Welcome back to Springs of Life Camp, and thank you for joining us from Hotel Hill in Patrick Springs, Virginia. In today's episode, we sit down with John Wilburn, a missionary with Baptist Mid-Missions to the island of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. John spends his days serving the church by growing relationships that point an entire culture to Christ, combining his experience of growing up as a pastor's kid, along with many of his own years serving all across the world. Listen in as John shares his passion for building the church for the sake of the gospel. I graduated in 1999 with a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, which is a pastoral degree. And then I started working there in the admissions department, and I graduated in 2002, I think it's 2002, with a Master's of Arts in Bible. And I loved Piedmont. Uh, yeah, Piedmont has played a big role in my life. In fact, I was called to I was called the missions before I came to Piedmont, but in Piedmont, it's where the call really kind of solidified in my heart, and so um, had a had a big influence upon my life. Had a big influence upon my life, and my education comes from there. It's funny because, like, uh, I'm actually teaching at a Bible college now uh, in the Caribbean, and I'm I'm using the textbook that was used for me. I'm teaching a class next month on the life of Christ. Actually, this month, the 34th of August on the life of Christ, but I'm using the textbook that the professor used for me when I was like a junior at Piedmont Bible College, which is kind of neat to be able to do that. Do you remember who that professor was? Oh yeah, Wayne Willis. I know Wayne Willis. Wayne Willis, a man of God. And so he taught me that. And I thought it was, in fact, I'm using the actual textbook, which is very cool because, you know, I can sit here, I see the old scribble that you make when you're a college student and all of that. And then you, you're taking it and now you're teaching it. So it's a neat thing. What's cool is uh, Professor Willis, he, my wife has actually had the ability to go back and she's actually taken some online classes with him and she's actually getting ready to take her second online class with him now in 2020. So, God, just faithful as faithful can be. That's right. And that's, I mean, again, we get to hear, I mean, it, just by nature, what we do, we get to hear that over and over and over again. And that's what's cool about a platform like this is I'm telling you, just think about the, yeah. just the, uh, the, the, the layers of encouragement. Um, you know, that that adds on uh, lots of different levels. That's fantastic. Well, listen, so let's go back. So you were there in the 90s, late 90s or so. I, I got had a tour there at Piedmont around that time. So, uh, and we're talking about vans. One of the things I'm telling you, it, 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 it seems like it's, it's something that pops up in a lot of ministries, but there was a guy named Mr. P, Pietro Pollard. All right. So this guy, I remember going and we would meet in the chapel there at Piedmont it was late after dinner and we would load up into a van. We would go into mm -hmm. a neighborhood. You remember when we would go and set up in like an apartment complex, you smile and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, I remember. I remember. Now that man, now I know that man since I was young. Now his name's Carlo Pietropolo. The reason I know that is because when I was a little boy, he used to come to preach on my dad's, to minister at my dad's churches. And he would do his evangelism. And I remember as a freshman in Bible college, and you would sometimes you would be scared to death because for some of us, we have never been in a lot of experience like that. You just go door to door, you know, and knocking on those doors and going through. But I remember that. And I, it, 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 it actually had an influence. It's funny because here, the, the interesting thing is here, people are very, people are very religious here in St. Vincent and Grenadines. In fact, they are very open to the gospel um they love tracks here which blows my mind i mean you know um I, 
if you have like I get I get a we get barrels. You ship we, we ship barrels every Christmas. Every Christmas you can like fill a barrel with like stuff from America and you get it shipped over for pretty cheap. And I'll take about four or five hundred tracks. And those tracks, brother, they'll be gone before you know it because everybody John can I have a track, can I have a track, can I have a track? Everybody take track. And as far as door to door, you could do some of that here. Now I found it's better to do things in a bit of a more focused way, but the door-to-door visitation is still open door for that here. You know, to where I'm a man, you know, I'm no longer in the States, but in a lot of parts of the States, if you tried door-to-door visitation, you wouldn't be in danger, but it wouldn't really have the impact that it used to have, it seems. I came from, uh, of course, again, we've, uh, our lives have intersected in different points over the years and stuff. And, you know, one of those periods where you were, you know, doing one thing and I was doing another, one of the things that I was into, I was actually in the banking world. And one of the companies that actually had uh, Morgan's with, it was an investment company that, that the way that they actually had individual uh, sales reps actually start their business was by literally going door knocking in neighborhoods uh, to pursue families, uh, you know, and to talk to them again, to build, you know, their business. And the thing is, it's interesting exactly the way that you're describing about how, you know, families aren't necessarily engaged, but you know, the children are all about it. I mean, again, it's just a total shift in the world right now. And that's way cool that they're so receptive there with the stuff like that. Sounds like a really cool opportunity for maybe a missions trip. It it is. And and what's interesting to me is they're very religious. Now, I'm in a community called B-A-R-R-O-U-A-L-L-I-E, Barley, that's how they say it. But there are so many, there, if, you, if you include my area, and there's two areas, one area over a hill on the left-hand side, and one area over a hill on the right-hand side, you got 10 churches. I'm not joking, we have 10 churches, we got Seventh-day Adventist, we have Anglican, we're going to have a Catholic, we have Primitive Baptist, we got churches everywhere in a it's interesting because often when you think about a mission field you think about a place that has not heard the gospel but here everybody is many people i should say are religious they may not be saved but they're very religious people and they have a working knowledge of the gospel and um that's a struggle that i have because you know they have the old saying you have to get them lost before you get them saved you know, you have to show them that you need more than just that. But it's difficult because they're so open to the gospel. I was talking to an unsafe friend this morning. You know, we were talking about, you know, whether or not he's saved. And he said, well, I'm telling you, I believe in the most high. Now, most high is God. Pastor John, I'm telling you, I believe in the most high. And I, and, and it was, I was trying to explain to him. You could, uh, you could believe in God, but still be unsaved. And it, it's almost impossible for him to grasp that. Because I said, you're saying, yes, I believe in God. And I said, but you have to do more than that. And so it's, it's a blessing to have that open door. But at the same time, you have to, you, it, it's difficult because you have to actually like, Get them to the point where they understand, you know, you're not doing enough. You know, you have to understand what it means to truly be saved. It sounds to me as you're talking right there, man, I hear you just say they're open to the gospel. They're open to those conversations there. It's, it's all kind of in your face there. It sounds to me like these people that you're serving are open to just relationship period. And they're craving that interaction. 
They are, they are, they're, they're very much, for them, the gospel is a mental thing. Now, um, thankfully, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, it's a very relationally connected community, particularly Barley is a very relationally connected community, small community, everybody knows everybody, everybody has no problem with anybody. I mean, you know, and, and it's geared towards interaction. Like, it's hot here all the time. It's actually not hot, hot. I mean, it'll be in the 80s just about year round, but you got the ocean right near us. So you get a nice sea breeze, it helps. But because it's hot, you're not gonna be outside a whole lot all day. But around 5, 30, 6 o'clock, when it starts, the sun starts going down. Everybody's sitting out there. Everybody's either on their porch or they have their plastic chair out there on the road. And you can sit there and go by and chat and all of this. And it's a very relationally centered lifestyle, which is, you know, uh, which is something I've learned to really, really enjoy. It is. It will, it's centered about relationships. That's awesome. And that's the gospel at its core it at its finest right there. Uh, and that's awesome. And I'm going to tell you, I get to follow you online. I stay on top of your blogs as best as I can. Uh, and I'm going to tell you that key thing in specific, dude, it seems like you're constantly pursuing a relationship with somebody individually uh, there where you have been assigned to serve and praise the Lord for you and your ministry. That is awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, well, with that said, tell me how, so you were called into missions. You said before, uh, you went to Piedmont. What, what, what did that look like? I read somewhere in your, in online, something about a, a chick Larson was involved in yeah, part of chick your testimony. Watkins. Chick Watkins. Chick Watkins. That's right. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I, I'm an introvert, kind of an introvert at heart. You know, I don't mind being social, but when I was young, oh my, oh my word, it was horrible. And I was very introverted in, I, I believe around the end of the ninth grade and the beginning of the 10th grade got called to the missions and it scared me to death. Where'd you grow up at? Grow up uh, close to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Since I was 12 years old, I was in Pofftown, North Carolina, which is right around Louisville, Clemens. Right. And so I grew up right around there. Before that, I was actually in Swan Creek, which is about 20 minutes the other direction. My, pa my dad, pastored, dad pastored at Swan Creek Baptist Church. Uh, Shof. Last name Shof? Oh, no, Wilburn. Wilburn. No, Wilburn. no, no, I know, but do you know, does the last name Shof is oh, Sammy do I know. Oh, Beverly Shof and, oh, I think it's Sammy. Sammy right. Shof? I think I know Sammy Shof. I know, I know a Beverly Shof from down there. I might know Sammy Shof as well. Anyways, oh. keep going. It's Swan Creek, no kidding. Well, anyway, brother, you know, the Lord, around the 10th grade, he called me to missions, and, I, and immediately my mind says, the Lord's going to call me to Africa and I'm going to be out there without the scary snakes and the tarantulas and all that. And I say, Lord, I'm too scared to go out there and do that. I don't go out there. Some places are all scary. And I ran from the call of God to missions. My parents knew that I was called to missions. I knew I was called to missions and I just ran from it. And Chick Watkins, now Chick Watkins, he's a veteran missionary to Africa. Um, he preached on Sunday morning from the last chapter of the book of John about Peter catching all the fish. And um, actually, that was the last time, I, that's the last time I think a lot of people heard him preach because shortly afterwards he was having surgery and passed unexpectedly. And I mean, as he preached that message and he called people to go forward, I just, it's like, it's one of those experiences where God's just dragging you down. Yeah, you know, you need to go down there. And I did. And my mother came down, she prayed with me and she knew I was there. And, you know, it was hard for my mother, being my mother as well, you know, my, 
my son going to the mission field, but we prayed together and we submitted to the will of God together. And from there, the Lord blessed, but I did fight that for a little while just because you're nervous, you know, you're nervous about what door God will open, but I'm thankful Lord used Chip Watkins in that way. So your, your father was the pastor. Has he been a pastor your entire life? Most of it. Most what of was, it. What? I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he, uh, he was a Swamp Creek East pastor, and he was a president of Piedmont for a number of years. And then after he was president of Piedmont, he retired. And, oh, no, he didn't retire. He left Piedmont. He came to St. Baptist Church. And that would be around the time I graduated. And a couple of years ago, about three or four years ago, Dad retired. And so now he's just enjoying retirement. All right, so let's 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 go a little bit deeper because I remember um, there's something called a PK, a pastor's kid. Um, tell me, tell me about your perspective as that growing up. What was it like having a mom and dad in ministry like that? You hear, you hear a lot of times. You hear, um, you know, where some folks they kind of look negatively on something like that, or you know, you. However, but from your perspective, what's your thoughts growing up as a pastor's kid in ministry? Well. It, it is, in a way, it's, I wouldn't say difficult, but it is a responsibility. I know when I was young, my father, you know, he explained to me, the last name Wilburn is, is a great honor. But because that's your last name, what you do wrong is going to reflect on me. And it took me a little while to grasp that. You know, as a teenager, you just do dumb stuff because you're a teenager. You don't think things through. You make a foolish mistake and all of that. And I remember a couple of times, and nothing terribly bad, you know. But like a couple of times I make a foolish mistake. I say something foolish and I say to myself, you know, I don't remember like at least one time in college I made a foolish, you know, I said something I shouldn't have said, just, you know, being an ignorant college student. And my dad came to me. He's like, look, you know, that affects how people view me. And what I had to do is get to the point where I said, you know what, I'm going to hold myself to a higher standard, but it's because I love my father. Because I don't want to, like, I want my father to pay a price for something that I do that's ignorant. Now, that could lead to bitterness. It can. But for me, it was just a challenge to say, you know what, you know, I love my dad. And because I love my dad, and I don't want him to be like disappointed or what have you. I, I'm going to raise myself to a higher standard. I'm going to raise myself to that higher standard. It is a challenge, but I think you're motivated by love for your, for your parent. So how do you think that that affected? I mean, obviously you mentioned at a young age, you just, you felt like you were called. And of course you were fortunate enough to, to have the privilege to be able to grow up in the church. So many obviously don't have that, you know, um, but obviously you had mom and dad as huge players in that. How did their role kind of help influence the people maybe around you? Um, maybe the, the, the other people that maybe poured into your life, like as you were growing up, you've been in, in a couple of different churches, a couple of different, you know, institutions or however, I mean, how do you think, those relationships for him? Well, I think it helped, it, it, it helped me because it drew, um, it drew the right kind of people, but it also helped me because it showed what an impact my, my parents had on people. I like, you know, I will have pastors and missionaries and things of that nature and they will call my dad directly 
they will call my dad directly to this day. I mean, I wasn't here, but I'm not here with them now. But, you know, when I was on furlough, my dad's phone would ring. And it would be a missionary from Honduras calling my dad. Pastor Wilburn, I need to. And I think it helped me understand, you know, the, the wisdom that they had. And my mother as well. My mother as well. My mother, she... She, she, she is the most tender-hearted, big-hearted person I've ever seen in my entire life. And, you know, people give them respect. And I think having my parents in that way, it helped me, it helped me have, it drew other people in. It helped me glorify God, but it also helped me see integrity and how if you have integrity, then other people will really respect you. You know, you do your... You do ministry the right way. And to this day, there are people from Salem, people from Swan Creek. My dad will go down to Swan Creek Baptist Church, you know, be at a funeral. They still want him to be pastor, you know. And it's because both of my parents live with integrity. And I've been able to apply that to ministry to where if you walk with integrity, you know, you, you have that faithful, consistent walk. People respect you. People will, you know, be drawn to you because you live your life that way. Well, I'll tell you, you keep mentioning Swan Creek. That's out in Elkin, North Carolina, is yep. it not? Yep. So Swan Creek was actually one of our deep, one of our very deeply saturated alumni churches out there. Uh, okay. and we have actually got several families that have started to reconnect back here at the camp. Um, so kind of cool there. It's fun. It's fun. There's going to be a lot of people that tune into this thing that, uh, that's uh, going to remember yeah. some things. And Swamp Creek's dear to me. Now, when I was four, I think I was four, we left Duncansville, Pennsylvania. I don't remember Pennsylvania, but I remember Swamp Creek Baptist Church. I remember Swamp Creek. That's where I grew up till I was about 12. And so Swamp Creek's dear to me because I remember those people and I remember that place, you know. And so it was very, very dear to me. When I was a teenager, I came to put pops down. But before then, that's where I grew up was Swamp Creek. You do Bible clubs. Was that something that you grew up as a part of when you were growing up, or were you in any other kid not, clubs? Not necessarily. Um, here, it's kind of a part of a culture here. Now, there's a couple of variations that you can do. It's basically here, vacation Bible school is a huge thing because the children will come to it. But it's kind of um, Bible club is something that a lot of churches do. Now, normally, what they'll do is on a Friday, they will open up the church and children could come in and do Bible club. And so we used to do that. We, 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 we used to always do that, but we had extra help. Now, right now, um, there's a lady who's going to start helping me, but it's just going to be me alone. Um, and I don't feel comfortable doing that alone in a church. You know, you can't control the kids, all that. So what I'll do is I'll just take the Bible club to the kids, you know, I got some young people. I'll go by their house. The parents are okay with that. I'll sit down. We'll do a little Bible club right there. There's a park area down by the down by the, like the town squares. I'll go down there, and the kids will come, and we just do it out in the open. But it's more of a um, a structured thing, to where the children need to learn structure. You know, you know, to to have something that teaches them right from wrong and all of this. So we'll sing songs. We'll do memory verses. We might play a game. We'll do Bible stories, kind of a 30, 35, 40-minute thing that you do. So normally, just about every day, I'll try to do at least one Bible club 
with that side of park or I'll go visit somebody at their house. Man, brother, I'm telling you, man, just the passion that I'm hearing in your voice for these kids. It's, I, and, and like I said, it comes from a place that, like I said, was planted deep in you a long, long time ago, man. Uh, and, and, and that's the thing. It's just the values like of adults pouring back into your life on that relationship level. That sense of integrity is key to earn that respect from other people. Um, and man, I'm telling you, it sounds like the more that they're interested in what you're doing, the more they're apt to help you. And that's awesome. One of the things that God planted in us many, many years ago, too, is that is that philosophy of like, you know, the days of simply being able to, you know, put a witty sign of, of a, a nice saying on a sign and turning the light switches on and saying, everybody's welcome. Come inside. Those days are over. People are just not going to show right. up. The world is different. What you described there in St. Vincent, just the way that people are, it's, 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 it's the United States. You just described that, too, almost, man. Um, but, uh, but anyways, all that to say is, dude, we've got the same philosophy is that, dude, we can't sit around and wait for people res to respond. We have to put feet to that and get out there and take the gospel to the world. Exactly. Exactly. Now we need to bring together some teams to bring some guitars and stuff like that. So we can exactly. go. Exactly. Exactly. And we would love for that to happen. You know, we would love for that to happen and just pray that. And also, as far as things, pray for praise door, pray the door straight it stays open here, you know, because it's a blessing to be able to walk up and down the road. People want track. I give them track. You already gave me this one. I read it already. I was like, I know I don't have any new ones. And you didn't give me that two times. So they take it and they read it. And so, you know, it's a blessing, but just pray that door stays open. Pray it stays open. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, doesn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Praise the Lord. Well, John, I tell you what, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Well, I appreciate uh, you doing that. Really encouraging. Well, listen, hey, listen, we've got, like I said, we've got a lot of folks that will be listening uh, in on this. Do you have any just final words, maybe a special Bible verse or a significant quote, or maybe somebody impactful over just your life uh, has poured into you on one specific thing um, that maybe that you can use and pass that on to encourage folks maybe in this time and season and uh, just, again, just as we plug along and do life together? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, like I said, when I was young, and I'll pick this, when I was young, I really struggled with self-esteem issues. I was introverted. I felt like I was just, God can't use somebody like me. I'm such a backward, bashful, shy person and all of this, and the Lord helped. But I remember when I was in the ninth grade, the Lord actually just gave him, as I always say, just gave him control of my life. And he used Jeremiah. We're in Jeremiah chapter one. You know, the Lord gives him a message and he says, um, Jeremiah says, I'm a child. Now, he was upwards of eight. He's, he was already a teenager. He was probably upward to manhood. So God says, don't say child. But then he says to Jeremiah, before I knit you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And that's not a direct quote. In fact, let me just take a moment, brother, come to Jeremiah chapter one, because I want to make sure I read this the way it should be read. But it's the idea that God's plan it was for Jeremiah specifically. It's for Jeremiah specifically before he was even born. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, to me, God says to Jeremiah, he's like, look, 
before your mother and father even met, before you were even an in, even an embryo, I had set you apart for a specific work. And often it feels like the Lord is not using us, or we are not worthy to be used by God. But the thing is, Jeremiah did not have you to, to earn that plan of God. He just said, "Hey, you have it already." And so I think the encouragement that I would give is. God has a plan for your life. I mean, before God even created the back, back when there was just darkness, He had a plan for you. And my encouragement: find that plan, whatever it is. Find it, find it. Give yourself to it. Just take the plan of God and run with the plan of God, because you will never be satisfied if you're outside the plan of God. But when you find that thing that God set you aside before you were even born, there's nothing better in the world. I can tell you, there is nothing better in the world than that. Praise the Lord, John. Would you mind praying this out today, buddy? Thank you so much. All right, Father, it's such a good, it's such a blessing to sit here and just to share my heart. And I, I thank you, Lord, for springs of life and for the opportunity you've given to me to just share my heart, Father. And Lord, I thank you for the people of Saint Vincent and Grenadines. I thank you for the people of Farley who are open to the gospel. And Father, may 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 I may I search for tender hearts, Lord. May I find tender hearts, but I thank you for the hearts that are tender, Lord. I I pray that you would open new doors here, but I also pray for America. I pray for states that you would open doors there, and Lord, that we would each know that you you have called us to a work. Lord, may we take the work you've given to us and do it for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us from Hotel Hill in Patrick Springs, Virginia. You can learn more about John's work with Baptist Mid Missions in St. Vincent, along with our other ministry partners at Alumni Central on SpringsOfLifeCamp.org. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to our pages to stay in the know from camp. Springs of Life Camp's outreach ministries is made possible by monthly donations and from your purchase of Springs of Life Camp's Creekside Coffee, available online and from a Creekside Coffee cup bear near you. For general questions or comments and interest or suggestions for webcast interviews, please contact us at outreach at springsoflifecamp.org.